space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Time to go amok. <laughs> and as you may guess then, this week we're talking about Spock Amok, the, the fifth episode of um, the first season of Strange New Worlds. And this is the last one that the critics saw in advance because the, the critics got the first... Oh, oh, obviously, you know, we, we, we get all these media passes as well, but we've just decided to watch them... The same, but you know the, these other media yeah. outlets that, for some reason, are, are given screeners that we're not. Um, they got the first five, so we're kind of moving into uncharted territory as of next week. Ooh. Now, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, visiting new worlds and strange civilizations, which Absolutely. critics haven't pissed all over yet. Exactly. So you know, when they give all these positive reviews, the the back half of the season might be rubbish. But um, I guess. <laughs> Actually, you see, I joke about the critics. I, I can't see it, that really... actually how the season's going. <laughs> no, no, I mean, like, you've got to say, it's like I joke about the critics pissing on it. It's one show which the critics have pretty much universally been in favour of. This one scored very highly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's yeah. that whole thing about, oh, it's the highest rated show on, the highest rated Star Trek show ever on Rotten Tomatoes. And I, that's not really a fair assessment because it's like it's only been out five weeks, whereas the others have had numerous years for negative yeah. reviews to creep in. So, and far more episodes for negative opinions to come through. And I, uh, I'm going to assume that they haven't taken the metric of like when some of them, which were launched in the era of Rotten Tomatoes, they could work it out for where they yeah. were at this stage. I'm guessing they didn't do that homework. I don't know. I don't know how in depth they went on Rotten Tomatoes when they were backdating things. But um, I mean, it's a nice clickbaity headline to say it's yeah. the highest rated yeah. Star Trek show ever. But you know, yeah. a bit of perspective. Anywho, um, so yeah, this episode. I think last week when we did our predictions, one of you did guess that it'd be a Spock episode. So there we go, Doctor Squee. You were right, and. And I even, I think, did predict that they were going to, because they kind of like, oh, they were itching to go into the lore of Spock. I think I did predict something to do with an existing storyline of Spock. Maybe, yeah. I think, I don't know if this is a case of be careful what you wish for, but you also last week expressed that you wished they'd just do a goofy episode that was really silly and... um, I think yeah, that's I got what both we my got. wishes at once. They were yeah. separate wishes, guys. They weren't meant to go in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this is this is the body swap episode then, which we've not done in Star Trek for oh a yeah, good long and, while. And, and, I mean just generally, but especially like it feels like very early into a show's history, five episodes in where we're still getting to know the characters. And okay, we do know Spock, but we don't really know his fiance. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a body swap with someone who we don't really know and someone who is a different version of them because it's, like, younger in their journey. It seems very early on to do a body swap. That that seems like an interesting choice to me. I was wondering how you fellas felt about that. Um, I don't mind it because it also sort of ties in with the beat plot a bit, how you've got the uh, other race that alter the personalities 
who we're talking to. Yeah, didn't think yeah, of it that way. It sort of it ties two of the two of the stories that are happening together. Yeah. I mean, for me, a good old Freaky Friday, though, you need two very distinct, different... Like, they even make a joke to try and take the sin off it. It's like, can't you tell the differences between our, um, our many different mannerisms or whatever it, you know, Spock says? So they even kind of, like, make a joke of, of it. I like my Freaky Fridays to have two very different characters who are very much struggling with it all the way. And I don't know. Yeah. If that's the case, then, may I recommend the episode The Old Switcheroo from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Because... It's only Shredder and Splinter who swap bodies in that one. Oh, fucking hell, I remember that one now. Yeah. That was brilliant. There oh, you go. Yeah, you maybe. see, that's... No, I mean, the, I, I'd not thought about whether it's too early in the run or whatnot, or or even, yeah, maybe contrasting personalities that have been more... Oh, can you imagine if they'd done it with Spock and McCoy? I mean, they kind of did in Star Trek Three, but... Um, <laughs> yes. But what, what I did think is that to say it's the central hook of the episode, I don't think they really did an enormous amount with it. You know, it's... I think it, I think it just sort of played on established uh, Vulcan law, because we have the country. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, like, which we've seen that can be swapped between people before. Yeah, the mechanics yeah. of oh, it. Yeah. Uh, it's just in terms of just to say, we're, you know, we're, we're going to well, do a body swap episode... I think what we I think what we're doing because we've established to bring in it and we've established that she's asked him to marry him and they've got this mm-hmm. relationship. We've got to get somehow to a point where she's chosen that she wants to be with Strong instead. Yes, definitely. So we've got to, and because she's not part of the Enterprise crew, it maybe is going to be quite rushed how we get there. You see, I I just I don't know I. To me, again, it gets back to, okay, yeah, it, it may not be my favourite kind of plot point, but I do get why you can have Spock being more towards his human side in this earlier version of his journey. I still think every single Vulcan they show now is emotional. Like, there's no excuse why they're not emotional. I think the, the Vulcans from the original series would be mocking these Vulcans for how yeah. emotional they are. And yeah. I don't get what they well, USP is this started in Enterprise, though. Oh, mm. God, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. There are so many series who've, who've done this badly. Like, the only ones who really did it well. I think even DS9 wasn't really great. They always wow. made the Vulcans more pissy than actually logical. Yeah. Like, they were taking pissiness for logic, you know. It's like, and, or speaking in a uh, very, very to measured be fair, time. Voyager probably is the last one that nailed it. No, yeah, it's Voyager did it pretty And then you didn't have a lot. They mm. had a couple of other Vulcan crew members, but they were very Vulcan. And I would even give the Kelvin timeline did a different take on uh, Vulcans, but they made them so logical. And they had a lovely way of having, like, the only way in which Sarek could, uh, you know, admit that he loved his wife was after she died. And that was in one moment with Spock. Whereas yeah. this one, they're prizing relationships over their mm. duty, which seems so un-Vulcan. Given that she's meant to be picking up for not being Vulcan enough, she then acts totally, and they've also thrown out the window the whole thing of the way that uh, Vulcans express their love through their kind of little finger work, for want of a better phrase. Mm. And and I kind of like, I think you can do some kind of something a little bit sexy with that, you know, you yeah. can make it look a bit more romantic. But they're going straight for snogging and, you know. Yeah, it is weird just... seeing Spock just lying in bed post-coitally with a woman, like, you know, yeah. I, I, I have no problem with Spock getting his end away, that's absolutely fine, but... 
it, it, <laughs> it does just feel weird seeing it. But just to go back to the body swap thing for a moment, yes. no, what, what got me is it's a long time into the episode before the body swap actually takes place. And then it's wrapped up fairly quickly and we get maybe three or four scenes where they play to the comedy of it. And it just seems like if you're going to do such a big concept, I expected a lot more time spent on it in an episode. Whereas this is, this is quite a packed episode. Like we, we've basically There's a lot got, of different stories going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I, and taken in the abstract, you know, I will say, I kind of enjoyed this episode. There was a lot of fun in it, but it just didn't seem to fit the characters that they were using, or certainly Vulcans. Yeah. Well, to go down the Vulcan route then, the opening scene, though, that just a mock time too, you know. I'm still a green-blooded geek. I still, like, got slightly turgid when I did hear the Amok Time music. Yeah, I mean, that was great. I'm only human. Bringing the music in was great, and... You know, repeating the beats of it. And the idea of having human Spock versus Vulcan Spock, that deserves an episode all of its own because that that's always yeah. a cool idea. Like when you had in Superman 3 where you have super, evil Superman versus Clark Kent. Or, Torres know, in Voyager? Sorry? Torres in Voyager? Yeah, Torres in Voyager when they split yeah. them. Or there's, um, there's an episode of Angel where... Angel fights Angelus, and you know this idea of taking two halves of someone's personality and having them fight is great. You two Vicks went the opposite way. Um, yeah, <laughs> we have the no, original I mean... series with Kirk. Yeah, with the two yeah, Kirks, absolutely. So yeah, dude, I'd I'd be happy with a whole episode of fully human oh, yeah. Spock and Vulcan Spock. And, and that was so fun to see, but they do do the thing which, like, uh, South Park wonderfully took the piss out of when they did their COVID specials. I don't know if anyone watched these, but they said it in the future, like, after COVID, and oh, they've got to go yeah, back to kind that. of cure it. But there's, there's this, like, a couple of moments when, when they're in the future, they keep on giving these moments like, uh, hi, I'm the doorbell. I scream things out now. I scream things out now. It's like, yeah, I know. And they do sort of something like, because yeah, because we're in the future and this is what happens. Yeah, I know. I, I live in <laughs> And there, there was kind of a moment in this where it's like, uh, they go, it's like, uh, oh, I must uh, challenge you to the, I'm going to forget, the, what's the name of the right? Um, oh, forget the exact name. I should know challenge it. Challenge you to oh. blah, 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 blah. And then he goes, but that's deadly combat. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know. We're all Vulcans here. Why would you point that out? You know, yeah. I, I kind of. I, I choose color three. I know this makes me a huge geek, but it's like every I'm time sure. when I point something out that the people on the screen would all know. It's like. Yeah. Well, why the fuck would you say that? I'm sure there's a name for it where it's... No, I I, I mean, I'm sure there's a name for the thing where you have characters saying an obvious thing for the viewer's benefit. Like, I can't remember what the term is. Well, it's exposition, but it's like a particular... I'm sure I've heard it, like, called something like playing cabbage or just something daft like that. Probably But you used to get it a lot in TNG with, with Worf, and it's partially the source of all them Worf-looking stupid videos you get on YouTube, but <laughs> they'd often use Worf to go, Captain, what is that? And it's like, do you not know anything, Mr. Worf? I mean, come on. But I mean, yeah, all you could do is it. it's mildly change the line to be like, um, oh, so you challenged me to Mortal Kombat? You know, you just, just layer it in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's a very geeky point. It is, but you know what else are we here for if not say, for making where, where else am I gonna say it? <laughs> We're sat here on a Wednesday afternoon recording a Star Trek podcast. I think we've thrown caution to the wind where geekiness hey. is. Yeah. Just let me have a word. Spock, you might want to 
just just realize that everyone there knows that okay right cool so I've got his ear right there. So for, for anyone yeah. listening on purely on the audio, Doctor Squee has a background of Spock's ear. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I, I had a background of, of the whole Spock's head, and then it's kind of like hit, like new Spock's head in front of Amok Time having the fight. But the way Streamyard has concentrated down just looks like a Spock's ear looking over me. I think a lot of it, like when they're doing that, is because you're also aiming at a new audience. And if you look at the, like the forums, you see so many of the forums, and, pe- and you've got like people going, "Oh, I side watching TNG. I've never watched TOS." And it's like, "What? Why have you never gone back and watched it?" Yeah, I mean, there is a big thing. And I think, and I think the plane to that, where to us who are mega fans, we just love that as a, a shout back to the original series. We we know what's going on, but they're having to also play to the new audience. Oh yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong the 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 way they write these episodes. I mean, I'm loving uh, Strange New Worlds. Please don't let me give any other impression. But it's just having that devil in the detail of explaining it in the dialogue without making it sound like you're saying something everyone would know. Yeah. So again, all you got to do is go and say, "So I'm challenged to mortal combat." You know, you could just add it into the dialogue, restating it without saying but that's this it's like yeah, yeah we all know. you know there's ways of doing it no i get it we'll keep an eye on that then we'll see how many more times they do it <laughs> um we're back on starbase one again so i feel like they want to sell us starbase one toys because we've been there twice in a season <laughs> oh. so it's like right you mean one of the most venerated starbases ever in history what's a venerated starbase okay oh it's, right. it's, it's a big it's, it's number one yeah this oh, isn't okay. just any starbase i mean come on I mean, it did look pretty damn plush, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, it's just, it has been rebuilt since the Klingon War. It has? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Pike's rocking the green shirt, the Kirk wrap-around oh. green shirt. I have no problem with him paying homage to what Kirk did with the oh, uniform. Yes, and if we've had the uh, Picardigan, I give you the pikelet. I, oh, very good, very good. I, but I oh, do no, like no. how it's got like the leather trim to it that they've updated it. Yeah. Like, also, I have no problem that the uniforms are... The uniforms are playing homage to the original series, but I have absolutely no problem that they've been updated. No, not at all. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's minor tweaks. It's it's the same yeah. uniform. It's like I was, I was thinking when I was watching, because I watched this episode back last night, I started watching the episode before because I'd only watched it once, the, the Gone episode. And I was looking around the bridge and I thought, you know what? It's different, but it feels like the original bridge. There's something yeah. about the feeling of they captured. That's all I want. I just want them to capture mm-hmm. the feel. Captured the essence. And, yeah. And you know that uniform's meant to be that uniform. You know it's the same uniform. Yeah. It just looks slightly different because they modernized it. Yeah. And quite frankly, how bloody cut does um, Anson Mount look in that outfit? Oh, he's oh yeah! I saw um, a meme today. I'll um, I'll share it on the Facebook group. But it's you know the famous meme where it's a guy and he's with his girlfriend, but he's looking at the other girl who's walking past, and they've done it for everything. And this one, it says for the the guy character, it says me, um, a heterosexual man. My wife is the woman before, and then the person who's walking past it just says Anson Mount. I'll buy it. Him or Admiral Silver Daddy Bear, you know, like those two guys, they could turn a man's head. 
Well, the only thing I am waiting for uh, Anson Mount's hair to finally get so big as Pike that it starts interfering with the ceiling on the it bridge. It is <laughs> extremely impressive, isn't it? Yeah, he wants to be careful if there's any like low hanging fans or anything. But it's um, a feat of engineering. Is his it hair? It really is. Yeah, whoever does the the hair and makeup, they, they should probably win an Emmy or something. Not for the the Vulcans, but you know. I like to think that he goes into the trailer every week ready to make up and hair and he goes like bigger. Yeah. But we can't go any bigger. If we give her any more, she'll interfere with the ceiling fans. No more. <laughs> right. Yeah. What's it gonna be like by episode ten? I mean <laughs> It's gonna be like three yeomen carrying his hair. Yeah. So I, I wanna go back to Starbase one and say that I really like the fact they've gone back there this episode. Yeah. Because yep. they just got the asses kicked last episode. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. And they've gone back to a Starbase for repairs. That is really, nice to see. I really like that. Like, that. Like we got it in Enterprise where they were using CGI, so we saw that the Enterprise got more and more damaged as weeks went on. But how often have we seen it in Star Trek where there's been a massive battle and we're nowhere in episodic TV now? But there's been a massive battle of being shot up to hell, and then the next week they're just carrying on like normal. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think what we're going to see is some classic setups for e episodes, but like you say, Elliot, but with more realism to. Yeah. If you get damaged, you're going to have to get repaired. Well, if you have something happen to a character in this episode, they're still going to be feeling the effects in the next yeah. episode. Well, the yeah. thing is, they do it on TNG, but they wouldn't do it in the right order. Like they'd have episodes where they get battered. Um, and then the next week, absolutely fine. But then they'd want an episode set at a Starbase, so they'd go, we've got the Starbase, <laughs> ukulele yeah. for repairs. And it's like, wouldn't it have made more sense to do that after, you know? And it's like, That's so like true. I was trying to work this out as well in the same way the crew needed some uh, well-earned rest and relaxation, and you're thinking... Hold on, we're five weeks into in here with the TV show. Yeah, you meant to be on a five-year mission. But then when you think about it, if there's ten episodes per season, with six months, they've been out in space for six months and got the asses kicked. Oh, <laughs> I was also thinking. Members, so it I don't care if it's... they're ready for some rest and relaxation. After I was going to say I don't even care if it's five weeks. If you've had that five weeks, all those things happen to you in five weeks. I need a fucking holiday as well. Yeah, true. But, but come on, guys. I think, it's I, think fine. Can, I think we can look at every episode. Is five weeks now? Roughly, yeah, if it's if we're doing uh, a season to a year, which is which is generally how I feel like with any episode, the, the suggestion is almost like that's what's happening this month, and then you have some, yeah, yeah. Shorter, you know, yeah, um, so yeah, so we've got the, the A plot then is Spock and Supreme, the B plot is Captain Pike has to make a treaty with the Rangovians. And he seems to have, like, issues with the Tellarites. Like, they go, oh, the Tellarites have tried it. And Pike just sort of has this attitude, like, oh, the bloody Tellarites. Well, um, yeah. Tellarites are already established in Trek law, that the argumentative. So would Tellarites be the right people well, to send on diplomatic missions? evidently not in this case. But I, I like that... Well, actually, <coughs> as it transpires towards the end, it makes no difference. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. But I, I almost like that it's it's a hint at a bit of a character flaw in Pike that maybe you don't like the Tellarites, you know. And yeah. up until this point, he has been the most 
the perfect of well. perfect people. Are you saying Pike is hashtag racist? He might be racist again. Let's let's keep so, an eye on whether whether he is or not. But it comes across as just a just a mild thing. But you never know. We could be in for a massive character swerve here. Like I said, I think is if you. He's been out on these missions before and he's probably come across some of the situations where the Tellarites mm-hmm. have gone for a diplomatic thing. And as an argumentative species that like that like to be argued with, they're probably not the best species to send off to be diplomatic. No. I mean what's really interesting, like because one of the like to your point, Jim, one of the best uh, kind of ones I can remember from um DS9, I did love the episode where um Quark kind of challenged uh, Cisco on his mm. attitudes towards the Ferengi, and he did that a couple of times. And of course, Quark was using it to manipulate him, like well, so he yeah. kind of looked up to the stereotype. But it did kind of like call into question, it's like, well, we're meant to be the stuff. Like, if we're meant to be able to reach any race through empathy, why are the um, the Ferengi immune to that? So I do kind of love it. I hope they do do something like that because I think challenging those stereotypes about people yeah. is really great. And it reminded me a little bit of, um, in Enterprise, the sort of frosty attitude a lot of them have got to the Vulcans. And, yeah, you know, I, I like in the idea... that's quite established why the world. Yeah, but it, yeah. I, I like the idea that, you know, this is still relatively early days of the Federation, and maybe there is yeah. a little bit of mistrust there. And, you know, I don't mind that. And then the C-plot, then, we've, we start with Ortega's Chapel and Mabenga... Going on shore leave and Mabenga's rocking his hat, which I enjoyed. Yeah, and I love Mabenga and his yeah, hat. I, I, I love Mabenga. I didn't like that he took it off. He's like, okay, I'll take it no. off. Like, do you don't take it off, Mabenga. You stick with that hat. Oh, do you know though? He took it off. He did not put it down though. I reckon as soon as he got down, he's like, oh, yeah. well, we see him a bit later, don't we? But he said, no, stand up for it. Yeah, I agree. I love the hat. <laughs> but what this triggers is. This the revelation that, yeah, num- number one is called Where Fun Goes to Die, and <laughs> yeah. you get this thing of well, Lan and what number one. Was a pair, where yeah. Fun Goes to Die. I like it later on where she says, like, I'm not Fun's graveyard. She's like, no, it's Where Fun Goes to Die, not where, <laughs> not Fun's graveyard. <laughs> but, yeah, it sets up this thing of Enterprise Bingo, which we very, very, very briefly got mentioned um yeah. With the horror and Ortegas before, I've got to admit that that is the sort. Of, are we calling that the C plot line? I, I think I'd say Una and Lan is the C plot. Pike and Diplomacy is the B plot. Spock and Tapring is the A plot, and Chapel yeah. fits into the A plot. Really, Chapel fits. Yeah, in yeah. The, Chapel, oh, Chapel's in the A plot. Yeah, I mean, I'd say then the the C plot for me, fine. Didn't object to it. No, so me so like or anything. It was yeah. good fun. Yeah, fun little, fun little um, side plot. Just, just yeah, it, the there was two. no, no danger. Nothing important was happening. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a very lower decks kind of thing. Yeah, they were just yeah. doing some. <laughs> like li- it's literally lower decks because they say, "Oh, the lower decks people play this," but it's yeah, the kind of thing that. Lower. <laughs> but it's the kind of thing that would have been the plot of an episode of Lower Decks as well. Is them doing this Enterprise bingo again? I'd have taken a full episode of that. I like. Well, it. We might get that in a, an episode of uh, Lower Decks. Yeah, like I, I like episodes. Like, it sets two. it up for. Um, you can imagine Mariner finding an old. Um, <laughs> Had or something of a game that they played on the Enterprise back in so and so. 
Well, well let's, let's have a game of this. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I like episodes of TV where <laughs> our characters are playing a game or doing a challenge or something. I've happily done a whole episode on Lion and Number One doing that. Um, but then T'Pring is worried that Spock's too human. That seems to be the thing, or at least Spock thinks that T'Pring yeah. thinks he's too yeah. human. And T'Pring's being human all over it. Oh, mm. She's being emotional, she's at least. But what's most significant about this is that we finally get the opening credits 15 minutes into the episode. Yeah. I know it's just a thing I've got that I notice these things, but when it happened, I was like, whoa, we've not had the credits yet. What? Yeah, yeah. I, I, think it's, I think it's noticeable with Star Trek, especially compared to a lot of shows, when the opening credits happen. Because there's so many shows now that literally just go... Hit a flash of the top of what the show's called, and that's it for credits. Yeah, yeah, these are the proper credits. So, and there's no more credit sequence more iconic than the original series Next Generation. And obviously, this version of Star Trek fits into that mold of having the yeah, uh, yeah. space to find frontier at the beginning. And it, oh, I love the credit sequence so well, so much that I think, yeah, like you, I do notice it a lot that it kind of appears. It, yeah, it's, it's just one of the things I always notice when it's it's later in the episode. But this is one of the things I mean about the body swap. So we're fifteen minutes into the episode before we even get the credits, and that's way before we get to what effectively is the A plot. But um, we do get quite a bit about Chapel, so. She seems to be in this casual relationship with this guy. He's a bit more serious, but from her chat with Ortegas, it sounds like she, you know, she's she's had a bit of a string to, string of casual she like, relationships. She just likes a casual relationship, and she doesn't want to get serious. If she gets too serious with someone, it'll have to be the one. Well, I'd say I feel this is what obviously we're setting up that she's got this massive crush on Spock. That's where we we leave yeah. this episode. But we know that Richard Corby's gonna come into play at some yeah. point in the future. So Yeah, the love of her life. Exactly. So I, I feel like we're gonna get some really interesting stuff going forward with that. Also, um, I think with that one, it's kind of like a... It, there's a kind of clear path of how she changes from who she is to who she's going to be. I feel like that relationship with Corby is what changes her yeah. and what changes yeah. her relationship to Spock. So, like, in the future, they haven't got this jovial relationship. Spock barely even notices her, basically. Yeah, I think... And I feel like that... I can see how that one's going to track. Maybe they're going to, like, play it a bit different. Like, maybe she's going to go all <laughs> out chasing Spock and he'll reject her and Corby will be a rebound. And, Ooh. you know, you should never, on a rebound, you should never go out with a guy who's making androids that are going to take over the galaxy. It just doesn't work <laughs> out. But we'll Yeah, find that's out. why you don't get involved with mud. Yeah, but while... While she's chatting to Spock, he mentions Aichaya, which was his Selat, yeah. wasn't it, in yesteryear. Yeah. So I like that. So nicely tied into a bit of continuity. Yeah, and the fact that he gets a name, like they've often mentioned that he had a, a, a Selat, but I think it's only in yesteryear and in this one that we're actually, yeah, actually naming it Aichaya, so I enjoyed that. Can I can I also give a nod? I will give a nod to one joke they do with Spock here, which feels like it can fit in with, with Spock of this time very well. It's when it's like, um, 
And she goes like, yeah, that was a joke, Spock. It's like, I know. Humans are almost as easy to... Uh, to to, um, to yeah, that, uh, that was nice. That was well done. Yeah, that was That's good. And Felt very Spock. Her advice then is what prompts him to do this might soul sharing, which leads to the body swap. Yeah, I mean... It works. Mechanically, it works. We know about the Catra and all of that stuff. There's two things I did want from this Catra business, though. One is, when they go into it, I want a a good reason why it didn't work. I want a real kind of, like, pseudoscience reason why it didn't work, which I know in Benga... I I have to... So, one second. Let let me finish, then you can give your, like, rebuttal. Jeez, man, okay. So, yeah, I want want a bit more kind of, like... um, Ritual reason why it doesn't work. <coughs> and when they do the catch or swap back, I want them to do what they've done every other Star Trek show. It's like when they're doing the um, Starfleet medicine, they've always got some symbols of the race. So they kind of like would have a gong there for the Vulcans <laughs> and a few kind of little throws, you know, like Neelix does when there's anything to do with him in sick bay. I want a bit more of that. But sorry, Elliot, what's your kind of uh, in canon explanation? I think the reason it's gone wrong when they're doing this mental swap. Yeah, Catra is because of what's the race that they're doing diplomacy with? Carl? The Rangovians. The Rangovians. Okay. Are using their mental powers to to be empathic oh. to know how other species are. So their empathic powers have interfered with their. See, I love that. Why didn't they write that in? That would have been so much better. That, that's that my was exactly what I wanted. That, yeah. That, that to me that makes sense. That it's gone wrong. Because there's another mental thing going on. That's Elliot, you know I love some headcanon just as much as you do. I just like them to write it in something. Yeah, that, I think that's, that should have been in there. That's what they'd have done in TNG or something. Like in the episode Sarek, it's the people yeah. who are visiting, isn't it? Yeah. How good is Sarek? So there's there's already <coughs> sort of precedent for that sort of thing happening. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. I just wish the writers had done the work instead of us. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and the Rangovians, we get all this back and forth, like, oh, they, they've cancelled talks. No, they haven't. They want to talk to Spock. Yeah, I, I did. I, I love this race, and I did love the conclusion. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I thought this was so well done. <coughs> Again, that kind of misdirect as well of, like, uh, you assume they're just mimicking the race, and then it's, like, radical empathy <coughs> brought in later. Yeah. So I, I like a good misdirect that I actually fall for. I like... I've said this before, I think, but I love it on Penn and Teller for us. Mm. The thing most people don't get is they see it as a game show where they want to beat them. Penn and Teller have spoken about this quite a few times, and they've said it's like, no, we love to get fooled. That's what, that's the joy of magic is when yeah. someone does fool yeah. you. Then you later out work out how they did it. It's so much fun. <laughs> they get that experience so little. I well, want to get fooled by an episode of TV and then to have a really clever reason why I was wrong. I love, and the reason I love I'm magic when I don't look... On the- when I don't know what, how they're doing the trick, when it yeah. fools me. Because, when I know yeah. what someone's doing, it's like, oh, well, I know that. Well, I'm also like to be fooled into a false sense of security or smugness even of like, oh, I see what they're doing. God, that's a bit passe to be that they kind of just mimicking each other. And then they go, oh, no, oh, no, Squee. That's what I enjoy. That's like, mm. I love being proved wrong by clever writing. I remember I was talking to uh, a magician once. We were talking about Darren Brown. So I'm a big fan of Darren Brown and everything. And he was talking about one of Darren Brown's tricks. And he said, "And he said, oh, I know the mechanism by which he does it because that that's how you do that trick. 
but watching it, I can't see how he's done it, you know, and that must be <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I know what he must have done, but... <laughs> but I can't see how he's done it. <clears throat> yeah, and it's like, uh, even when they're talking about Boros, they say it's like, sometimes people can put us with this spectacular leap of logic that we just never thought of, or something that's like, I would never have thought that you'd do that. Other times it can be just minutiae, like a little thing they do in the process, which yeah. we didn't think of. And that's just as valid. And yeah, yeah I, I love all that. And I think in this episode, they do mention really early on that there's this thing about empathy. So the seeds are there. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on a rewatch. Um, and then I do like some of the dialogue with Spock and Supreme, where I, one of them says it, see the Spock in Supreme's body or Supreme in Spock's body. And they say, there is one more chant we can try. We will need a gong. Which I Yeah, just, it's her. It's her. It's She's so yeah, deadpan, I the delivery. I thought that was brilliant. We need a gong. I believe I've got one in my room. There's no time for that. We must yeah. answer the door. <laughs> and then she says, oh, he, Spock, to bring in Spock's body, says, like, Spock, I do not like hijinks. <laughs> yeah, you see, the hijinks thing is where it kind of crossed the line. into Like, even the concept of hijinks, I think, is very human. Mm. And for her... Because I think it's her and his body who says it. <coughs> it works better if Spock says it because he's half human, so he's got a reason. And you're, we're saying at this point in his life, he's uh, more in touch with his human side. Yeah, that seems yeah. to be where they're going with this. But well, she's the one who brings up hijinks first, and that doesn't... I'm sorry, mm. but Vulcans would not even accept a principle of hijinks because it's a human principle. No. They don't say, that I don't like hijinks. They might say it's like... Oh, this sounds like this infuriating um, human um, capacity for hijinks. You know, they, I don't yeah. know, again, it's... It, mm. it does lead to a funny scene yeah. with Pike, though, and like you said, that yeah. that leads to this great payoff line where it's like, well, as you can obviously tell by our different mannerisms, um, yeah. That is kind of fun. It's, but, a, know, it's like, a funny it, line. It sort, of highlights, it sort of highlights why this episode was a bit premature for me. I'd much like this... Like the end of series one, maybe even. Maybe. Where, where we've kind of no, got to know these characters and there's a reason and, why we know they're different. And that is undermined. Like the joke there is, no, you've got... The joke you feel like is meant to be, no, you've got exactly the same mannerisms, but they haven't... Like if you look at how Spock, the physical Spock is standing, he's holding himself differently and he's got his hands sort of um, like steepled. And yeah. so you're like, oh, actually they do have subtly different mannerisms so the joke doesn't quite land but <laughs> yeah. never mind um back to the bc plot then so una and lan have found these people trying to get out the airlock i did enjoy the good cop bad cop bit that where was, the, that was <laughs> yeah, really fun. good fun yeah and i like how sort of over the top number one is that she's just like oh you know we're all having a laugh and, and we've got <laughs> lan lan Bingo! Yes, I know it's bingo. Explain it. Yeah. <laughs> What's well, so bingo? Was... I've got no idea. <laughs> so yeah, that was good fun, and I like that they, you know, they find the list and everything, which is doing the rounds on the internet now, so you can you can have a look at the official list of Enterprise Bingo. Um, and then we get sort of dual strands set up for Spock and Tapring, so. To bring in Spock's body's got to do the negotiations, and Spock into Pring's body's got to go find this guy who 
her job basically is to rehabilitate people through logic. I feel like that strand's a bit undercooked, to oh, be honest. Oh, and they, yeah, that, that's undercooked. And she also says it's like, um, seems like I have a... She uses a very kind of like emotive word, like it's got, I've got a... Um, got a tack or a skill or you know she, she uses a euphemism for having a skill for talking serial killers again mm. it's just that little devil in detail of using human kind of emotive terms like mm. metaphorical terms falcons are so literal and yeah and it's just another one of those little moments like you know um oh god what i'm trying to think of the term she uses but it's a very yeah it's a metaphorical term yeah yeah it's, as I say, I think, I just feel like they could have had more fun with the body swap thing. Like, we've got these two yes. scenarios that they've both got to go do something. But with the time we spend on the B plot, the time we spend on the C plot, I just feel like we kind of rush through it. Like, we, we get maybe one or two well, juicy it's scenes. Like you said at the, it's like you said at the beginning, there's a lot <laughs> happening in this episode. When you have an A, B, and C plot, yeah, and you try to put as much time into all of them, yeah, as each other. And also, what is the challenge here? What is the challenge for a an experienced like she's she works with people who kind of like have got these kind of um, illogical thoughts? So I think something like diplomacy would not be a difficult stretch no. for her. You've got him who's used to working with all sorts of species, all sorts of challenges. Yeah. So working with people who need to be rehabilitated to logic isn't really a challenge for him. The stakes are so low as oh, well. I don't you, get why one is difficult for uh, the yeah. other. And then the fact you get Spot like punching him in the face and later on she goes like, well, knowing him, that seems very logical. It's two clown shoes for Vulcan. I'm sorry it yeah. is. Uh, you know what? This has just occurred to me now. We should have done the body swap between Spock and Chapel, and so Spock, Spock would have had to go on a really awkward date with this guy that's really into Chapel, and Spock... Chapel spends the see, night in, in, in her, and, on her own well, in Spock's quarters. Well, Chapel's got to do, <laughs> got to do the diplomacy and stuff like that, you know, but... but that well, you mean, know Chapel would peak, you know it. Probably, yeah. Yes, good point. But, um, but that has been quite good saying. fun because... At the end of it, you'd have had, yes, yes, so we got it. Um, at the end of it, you could have had Chapel going, oh, so what happened with my boyfriend then, Spock? And go, well, you know, you're engaged now because he seemed a very nice bloke and that was logical and you should be yeah. pursuing this relationship with this guy, you know. And, and I understand being human, it was logical to um, it, you know, it, Engage in intercourse on the first date. It seemed logical at yeah, the time. Yeah, I would go to Dr. Mabenga and get a check. But, um, <laughs> see, there you go. So, yeah, it, that would have been interesting body swapping Spock with someone who's not logical and who exactly. has a completely different task to do. Like, but Like I say, I think they've done it with to Craig because we're going to have to go... Yeah, yeah, I think so. Just being a guest star every now and again. We've got to fit in a lot of... Yeah. Between the going through yeah. and all that, it doesn't seem to be any problems to, to, to wanting him to have to have a fight to the death. Yeah, see, I thought... To get rid of him. Well, to me, the logic... The, 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 sorry, the logic. The, the thing which you could do there to really highlight uh, those growing differences is to highlight where Spock's more emotional in this younger part of his life and she is so literal to logic. Mm. 
you know, if you'd brought in more of that and more of, again, yeah. written her more as a pure Vulcan, which she really isn't written as. Like in the first episode, she's going like uh, the uh, waiter prudishly goes like, uh, perhaps you'd like to make take this somewhere else. Like, one excellent uh, idea. Mm. That's so humanly loaded. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if you really want to drive the wedge well, between them, you highlight how logical he, she is, how illogical he is, and maybe even you point out that that's what attracts her to him uh, to mm. begin with, but then that causes the um, space between well, them later. I honestly thought this episode, and until nearly the very end of the episode, I thought this is how they're going to resolve to bring, like this experience yeah. is going to make them realise it's not working and that's why they're going to be yeah. where they are by the time we meet her in a mock time. But obviously they've got a, a longer arc in mind yeah. for her, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I just felt like it was going to be a bit more definitive. Anyway, so... Yeah, It'd be we... interesting to know how many um, episodes she signed for. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, two this season so far, but we'll see. Um, so then, yeah, we get the scene with T'Pring Spock with the Rangovians and they start being a lot more logical. And I like that Pike and April are just sort of sitting off to the side. It's like, we're, we're just here to yeah. observe. You're not allowed to... But Pike... Oh, I can I just give some some props to um I love uh, uh Admiral April's uh character. I cuz he's sort of like you get these the kind of like buddy of Pike they maybe like share a drink like uh, in uh, the their version of 10 forward after hours and everything. But like you get that it's only because he's uh, Pike's friend that he puts up with as much yeah. bullshit. He does yeah. like you know Pike gives him headaches all the time it's like, oh, for do you realise how much shit I, how many favours I had to pour in to get you out of the crap this time? Yeah, and it's, it's I, I love that. It's probably one of them where he's like it really frustrated because he's like, but he's always right, you know. <laughs> Pike does all this stuff and he always gets it right. It always works it, out like it what? sort of reminds me of Due South. I know it's like Random Paul, but you know how much I love Due South. It's where they've kind of got the captain there who's always getting annoyed with Vecchio going off mission and going off on these random missions with the Mountie and everything. Mm. But at the end of the day, he realises that they get the job done. And so he kind of like, you can see the ways in which he gives them a yeah. rope to yeah. complete what they're doing, even though he's annoyed with the fact that they're doing it. I get the feeling. It's like the in, um, in 24, every season, <sighs> everyone's always saying, don't let Jack Bauer do what he wants. And you're watching it and you're going, just let Jack do what he wants. It'll solve <laughs> it. it. Trust me, it will get this sorted a lot quicker. Exactly. Stop trying to stop him. He's always right. It's that's yeah. that's going to be why it went down to 12 hour season. Exactly. Yeah, that they stopped arguing with him. Yeah. <laughs> just let him get on with it. Um, oh, interesting um, little side bit of trivia about 24. Alexander Siddig, when he did the series of 24, was offered to do further series, uh, as he revealed in my, my little interview with him. I recall, yeah. Because um, at the time, yeah, he was offered that, that it was going to be a, um, a two-hander between the two of them. Yeah. Then when Keith Sutherland wanted to do less of it, then he could have stepped in. Yeah, that would have been... He turned it down. That would have been really cool. And... Oh, and by the way, just shows you what a kind of like real um, true-to-himself person that Alexander Siddig is. <laughs> Because he was off that and he goes, no, I've signed up to this independent uh, film. Yeah. Gone, yeah, but this would be crap loads of money for several years. Multiple series deals. He's going, 
yeah, but I already agreed to do this. Yeah. And they could not make out No, no you, what a man. Props to him, absolutely. So yeah. in, instead, they just blew him up about three episodes later, from what I recall. Yeah. But um, yeah, they were obviously not happy with this response. No, and, and it's a shame because he, his character in that at the start of the season is really interesting. And then they just put him on a flight to Washington for three episodes. And then when you next see him, he gets blown up. But anyway, never mind. Um, yeah, so this is where we're sort of wrapping things up, really. Like, Spock goes and, as you say, punches the bloke, which that felt out of character, you know, for... To me, anyway. Um, Mabenga just puts them back together by putting goop on them, so that's all. Not a gong insight. That's all I'm saying. Not a gong insight. And meanwhile, we get the fun montage with Lan and Una doing the the different tasks, so they yeah, stun yeah, each good. other. And you've got to see if you can beam flavour back into chewing gum, which I enjoy. That's a really cool. <laughs> I love that one. The one I didn't like so much is I still think solar sails have never looked cool in Star Trek. They never no. managed to make it look cool. So when they go, it's like, oh my god, the lights from that's like what the slightly lame CG, which kind of yeah. looks the same as when they did it in That's the thing. Solar sails have always looked really naff. I don't know. Maybe it's they no. can't get the the billowy thing right. Because like um, Count Dooku in the Star Wars prequels, he had a solar sailing ship and that looked naff. And it's like, if you can't yeah. do it with Star Wars money, then... Yeah, this exactly. is probably something we shouldn't be trying yeah, to do. And, and given that was the end of their yeah, kind true. of like mission to do all these little side tasks. And yeah. like... Oh my god, this! It's the most beautiful thing I've ever I seen. Like you the, go to... I did like that. Um, they did the last task though better than everyone else because they didn't put on spacesuits. No, that you know what would have been there, really cool. There we can walk underneath the shield. It would have been cool if they'd have had the belts out of the animated series, just as like yes. a little nod to that. If they'd have just gone, oh, these are experimental, but I'm sure they'll be all right. <laughs> That'd have been quite good. <coughs> the other bit I want to like uh, raise one point, but is I do love that last scene. And again, I, I cannot say it enough. Anson Mount has the most fun anyone has doing anything as he does playing Pike. Yeah. Glorious yeah. to see. Wonderful little speech. The only thing I did think is like, I mean, I get radical empathy, but he just really just says everything that's the worst. Yeah. I kind of feel like in that speech, if you're going to reflect their mental processes, for them to sign on to Starfleet, you still have to go, it's like, look, this is what you benefit, but here's all the downsides. Yeah, I feel that's like you it. Have to add into the speech. Yeah, it's trying to show, I understand why you're nervous about it, but like you say, he doesn't big up the benefits. He's like, yeah, well, you know, you'll get protection from us, but we'll probably start the trouble. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't really sell Starfleet as what Starfleet is. So it's no. like, if, yeah, but like if you really want it, to... what? But it does say though. It goes. My hunch is that all the want is their diplomacy is to want someone to see it from their point of view. Yeah, which I agree with. I'm just saying it's like, and I get it for drama purposes, where you have to have him kind of tanking it, or seem like he's tanking it. But yeah. it's almost like I like that speech to begin with. It's like, hey, look. If you join us, this is the good stuff you get. And then go into the tanking, because then it makes sense that it's like they've still got a reason to join. Because if their whole thought process is these guys are going to fuck us, there's still no reason at the end of it that yeah, they, they need they, to, to join. Still see a benefit. Um, maybe. Well, it does say it goes like you'll get our technology, we'll be there for any disaster. 
But he sort of he does it all he in a backhanded way. Yeah. Maybe he's hunched that he's playing is well, they know what all the benefits are. Mm. We just need to show them that we understand what their the concerns it, it's being are. Being honest about what the problems can be. Yeah, and I, I guess in previous talks they've already highlighted. Yeah, they've already yeah. had the yeah, okay. the sales pitch. Maybe this is sort of it. Yeah, this is him going. Look, I can see why you're worried, and this is why you're worried. Yeah, but it's I basically mean, saying what they're worried about. And I, I still do think it's a, a lovely scene and it's a lovely kind of way of selling it. And the idea of radical empathy seems totally in keeping with Star Trek. And yeah, I, I thought it was lovely. And again, it's almost like an expansion of everything we know about Star Trek. But it's like, hey, we take this to the nth degree and show as much empathy that we'll even see the downsides to joining us. Yeah. Yeah. That's so brave. I, so I do, do a Mario in one sense. I, I don't know. Just, I, I get get the arguments for it. So then... The wrap-up to, to Pring and Spock then. So they have this kind of heart-to-heart chat. And she says, well, I was worried you saw it only as a duty. And I know this is our foreknowledge of what's to come, but by the time of the mock time, he is really seeing it only as a duty. And that's exemplified by the fact that he doesn't even stick around. Once he gets through the Pomfar, which he, he sort of gets his rocks off fighting Kirk, effectively... He doesn't stick around to be with Tapring. He's like, right, that's done now. And yeah. and she's already on with someone else. So it, it felt like the dangling of thread there that Spock could have said, you know what, I, I kind of am seeing it as a duty. Maybe we maybe we shouldn't be. And then she can say, well, I think you'll find that since we're engaged, you stuck with me or whatever. It feels like they, they wrote themselves a get out here, but chose not to take it, which, as we've said... Which is why I think she's got... Like at the moment, she, if you think about it, she's been in 40% of the episodes. Yeah, yeah. But she's been in a lot of the, this show. That's well, that, almost a season regular. Well, that's it. And um, that. So are we going to get a lot of Tupin throughout the season? You see, this is, this is my feeling. They're going to pull the taffy quite a lot on this storyline to a point where I'm not sure I need it, I've got to admit. And I think, especially the way they're writing it. In in a mock time and in every other example of the original series version of Vulcans, they prize duty over relationships. Yeah. Relationships are something to get <laughs> duty done, really. And the fact that they're saying it's like, God, Spock, why are you not seeing it from her point of view, girlfriend? And yeah. it just seems very human and very yeah. against everything we know of Vulcans. And I, I, again, it makes them yeah. less poor. It's almost like they've said, Vulcan isn't about logic. Vulcan's about... Speaking in a very precise way, so you mm. sound a bit like a robot. That is not logic. That's just speaking in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they've definitely got more planned with her. But I feel like they could have had a get out here. But I'm interested to see what they're going to do. And I'm really interested yeah. in what they're going to do with Chapel. Because they, certainly how the episode ends is very much setting up, right, she's really into Spock, so... We're going to have some sort of love triangle coming up, but then we've also got the spectre of Roger Corby somewhere, so it's kind of a love square. Yeah, it, like I think they set themselves up that we've got five years to play with things. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think there's also going to be a thing of like, uh, I think Roger Corby is almost going to be like the idea that she's growing up, she's growing up out of this crush which she's had on Spock, yeah. and she'll go towards this new love. And a look hunkadori, but we know where that leads. Yeah, 
No, I mean, lots of threads set up and lots of stuff going on. I'd say... I think it, I, like, I think it's that thing with the dream spark. I think it's very early to call what we're doing. I yeah. agree with you that the Sintra have forgotten how to write Vulcans. Yeah. It, yeah. And I don't know if that's, like, Discovery's been criticised for how emotional it is. And I wonder if it's got something to do with that, that they're trying to put emotions into everyone. That's the thing. In in Discovery, when they had the Vulcans, like one of the first things which um, Sarek says is to Michael, and he, he says, behave. What fucking Vulcan does behave? Yeah. <coughs> That's not logic. Anyway. So right from the beginning, they sort of stepped their soul out. The, yeah, the they're definitely different Vulcans, but... There we go. So, yeah, I think maybe the weakest episode so far, this, just because it it doesn't yeah. feel, like, as solid as the other episodes. It, it doesn't it, feel... I think you probably said it's the weakest because of the Prince Box stuff, which is a bit funny. But then when you see the comedy side, that was funny with... No, yeah, I thought... One and I, I thought yeah, the but, diplomatic thing worked really well. I thought that mm. was a really nice... You twist on how to do a diplomatic. Yes. And I, I would love that as a main story. But yeah. to me, because you do make the main story the Spock and Prim thing, it kind of feels to me like um, it's the one I most had to throughout the episode. Imagine I wasn't watching Star Trek. It's like, imagine these aren't Vulcan. Like, if it's I could separate... Fault. You wanted a Spock episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I want a Spock episode. It's I want a wacky fault. episode. I didn't want them together. No, I just think it's the least focused episode so far. Like, yeah. I think yeah. it's not as great as the sum of its parts. You know, the, there's nothing yes. inherently wrong with it. It's just like, like the body swap the, episode could have been its own episode, was, and the other two storylines could have been yeah. its own episode. The C plot could have been an entire episode, or it's. it's a I C don't plot. think the C plot could have been. Or, really? Or it could have been. A B to another episode without having a, an A, B, C plot. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you and got it was rid the of right the... right amount of length for that. If you got rid of the Spock um, to print thing, it had that as in its own episode, and then had the two other plots from this of the um, diplomatic mission yeah. and the uh, Enterprise bingo, those two would have paired very well yeah, together. Yeah, it just felt a lot more solid. Like, but... like you could have put more in the Enterprise bingo where... Like, they were basically on an empty ship, but you could have had them doing it with other people around them, them dodging, getting Yeah, and trying not to, not to let the load out. Which is part of the thing with Enterprise Bingo. Yeah. The are doing it while the ship's seat. And they don't, absolutely packed. They don't want the lower decks to see that they're having a bit of fun with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, yeah, like, I mean, I do think a body swap episode, again, it feels very premature on the run to me, but if you're going to do it, give it its full episode. Yeah. Like, like the... <laughs> The same plot would have had a nice ending if they'd been caught at the end by Pike and he found out that they'd punished two ensigns for doing it. So he gives them exactly the same punishment. Oh, yeah, that would have been quite good, yeah. yeah. And then we could have finished with uh, everybody laughing like they do in TOS <laughs> at the end. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I would love for them to have been sent to Pike's office, like, to be told off. Yeah. And then, yeah, big love to... Oh, that would be lovely, you see? So, yeah, next... We we caught this on the, someone looking out from the bridge saw this. 
you two on the front of the saucer. They could be like two naughty schoolgirls, like in front of the headmaster. Like, sorry, Pike. Yeah, very sorry, Mr. Pike. <laughs> sorry, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> it will happen again, sir. And then as soon as they leave, he has a big laugh to himself. Brilliant. Yeah, oh, yeah. Laugh. Like, they, he catches them before they do the last bit. And then when they go out to sign the thing, they see that he's signed it as well. So they're like, it. he's oh! done it. Yeah. That's how it should have ended. Yeah, it, it, it should have had a little bit more tapped onto the sea yes. plot to just finish it off in that sort of full circle. Yeah. You did yeah. somebody, you punished someone for doing it and now you're doing it, so you have to suffer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing, I think. Yeah, all three of these could have been expanded out and just all three yeah. of them together, the... None of it, them it, really gets there's enough. Too much, there's too to, much happening. Yeah. They're all good stories, but there's not enough yeah. time. What is it? Fifty minute episode, and they all got. They all got probably about forty five minutes each. Sorry, fifteen minutes each. Yeah. 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 True. So, what about next week then? Whose episode do we think it's going to be? Ortegas, I'm sticking with. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go Ortegas. I think she's due. Okay, I was going to say Ortegas as well, so we seem agreed. I'm hoping, I would actually like to see some interesting expansion of her character. I think she is a fun comedy fool, don't get me wrong. I'd like them to have a bullshit excuse why she uses so much 21st century language. Like maybe she, she loves that century and like with, I've said before, like with Paris, if she's like a student of 21st century. Well, that's it. They played Paris, didn't they? And, they had him, and it worked in how you had him with his cars and stuff. And, and there's also a really fun thing you can always do with a character which is played so lightly. What's the reason why she's got to make a joke out of everything? What's she avoiding? Because they've they've had every other character has had their family bu- brutally murdered by the gore. Oh, that's it. We've not had a... Shark graph accent. So I, I think they could... Maybe in a different way, give her a backstory of why she is so flippant all the time. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't know a lot about her yet, and she's the only one. She's been there. She's been interesting. She seems very likable. Yeah, but she's the only one that we don't really know anything That's about. That's it, exactly. And, so yeah, I think. And we I think need... you, I think you could have some real fun with the idea that during maybe do some flashbacks, like during the academy. She was always looked down upon, not good enough, and she didn't have a good time. She's about to quit. Then suddenly Pike discovers her and helps her out. That would be a really lovely... I think something like that would work very nicely as her backstory of why, again, why she's got to do everything by her own rules because Starfleet didn't feel like a friendly place until she met Pike and he brought yeah. out the best ideals of it. Yeah, I'd go with that. So, yeah, and I'll take this episode next week then. Yeah, we want, um, more, want some more Yes, take. please, writers. But not a body swap. No. So, uh, yes, uh, we'll be covering that next week. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're at RetrekPod on Twitter. RetrekPod at gmail.com if you want to email us or come and join us on Facebook. Just search for Retrek. Dr. Squee, you've got the Dr. Squee show. Yes, I have no idea who I'm interviewing next. I'm trying (laughs) to put out in the moment. There we yeah, go then. So. It'll be a lovely show. Please tune in uh, every Tuesday, 6 to 8, sw20radio.co.uk. And thanks for trekking with us this time. We will see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye bye. LLAP.